Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. You pick and choose what you consume, what you listen to, and apply it in a way that works for you because we are all unique. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author and founder of the Harley Street Clinic Retrition, and of course, the evidence-based supplements company Retrition Plus. In each of these episodes, we have incredible guests who are at the forefront of their fields, who will be giving us the trusted advice, that's what we all need, and answering your burning questions, which, let's be honest, in nutrition, the questions seem to be never-ending these days. Now, this series combines some of the many highlights over the years, and I hope will continue to support your nutrition and well-being. We all know the benefits. They can be endless that exercise can have on us physically and mentally, but it's really how we train and fuel that can make all the difference. And of course, our motivation to to keep at an exercise program. So this week's Food for Thought covers all the essentials from how you can perfect and elevate your workouts, aid your performance through food, and I could not (laughs) do this episode without putting in all the myth-busting around fitness enhancers, because let's face it, they seem to be everywhere as well, and how to even support your goals on rest days, which again seems to be a very confused topic. So I really hope that you enjoy listening and that this episode gives you all the answers to those questions. I had a wonderful chat with Bradley Simmons here. I really hope you all enjoy it. We discuss how you set fitness goals, I guess, that are sustainable, realistic, and what to do once you reach the goal. I think that's something that's so often overlooked. And of course, mental health versus the the physical aesthetic fitness goals, which so often consume the fitness industry, especially online. Here we go. What do you think... I guess, are the benefits of setting fitness goals? Yes, well, setting goals allows you to be consistent and consistency is the key to have results to be successful. 
Um, many people, if they just work out from day to day, don't really know what they're doing. They don't set themselves a goal. They don't have a plan. They don't have a vision. Then you're likely to get bored. You're likely to hit that brick wall. You're not likely to be consistent. So for me, setting a small, a big goal is great, but set yourself small goals to reach that big goal. And you're more likely to stay motivated, inspired, especially if you're, if you're using a guide or you're using an online platform or you've got a personal trainer coming to your house. So for me, that is is so so important that you set yourself mm-hmm. small goals to be consistent right so short term instead of long term do you think that's where a lot of people go wrong that they're, they're, they're thinking too yeah. big well they think too big uh and it takes a lot longer than let's say two three weeks to get that big result um for me when i do 12 week transformations and sometimes 12 weeks isn't enough so you have to set yourself a big goal, of course, because that's that's a vision. But then there's the small goals that you have to set um, um, to get there. Because the journey, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Like I always have to remind my clients, it's a marathon, yeah. but you definitely get there. And it's the journey so good because not only physically um, do you succeed, mentally as well, you become a stronger person mentally after that journey. You've got to always challenge yourself. So you can't stay in your comfort zone. So for example, if you're a runner, uh, and you're, you set yourself a goal, let's say two months ago, to hit 10 kilometer run in 45 minutes. And you've hit that and you're constantly doing 45 minutes, 45 minutes. Now, can you set yourself a goal to hit 42 minutes? And how are you going to do that? You can do with extra training in the gym. It's not just running. You've got to strengthen those glutes. You've got to strengthen that core. You've got to do some high intensity sprints as well to get there. So you constantly have to challenge yourself. And if you don't challenge yourself, that's again when you get a bit bored and you could potentially hit that brick wall and, and, and lose that motivation. So for me, you constantly have to challenge yourself. And that could be surrounding yourself with other people, people who might be fitter, stronger than you, coming yeah. out of your comfort zone and going to a gym class, which might be a little bit more difficult than you're used to. And again, you're just testing yourself, which will challenge yourself. And obviously, you're going to come out a stronger, fitter person. I think it's also confusing. The terms, I think they can be very useful, but also a bit toxic at the same time, rest days, because yeah. they are so important for recovery. But what does one actually look like for most people, would you say, a rest day? Well, most people, when they think rest day, they think literally sitting down, <laughs> doing nothing, eating a few donuts. You know I mean? <laughs> for me, a very good rest day is going for a nice active walk. Okay, that could take 20, that could be 30, could be 45, could be an hour, depending on your fitness levels, could be an hour. Then it could be a bit of mobility, a bit of yoga, a bit of meditation, going into a nice Epsom salt bath, relaxing, having a good massage. So finding ways to completely rest is also looking after your body, not staying still. Definitely doing some mobility is so important, especially if you're doing a lot of high intensity training. When you say, sorry to interrupt you there, but just to explain to our listeners what mobility training looks like, because I think all these terms can be quite confusing to a lot of people. Yes, of course. So mobility is another way of stretching your body, stretching those joints, stretching those muscles. We can become very tight and very stiff, especially if we're doing a lot of exercise. So what we have to do is foam rolling is, is another way to uh, stretch mm-hmm. and to mobilize different type of exercises. Yoga is great for mobility um, and just moving that body. So my what I love to do, because obviously I'm doing lots of training and I have to look after my body if I want to be consistent, uh, if I see my business as longevity, because if I don't wake up, then obviously my subscribers, they can't get their workout in. So for me, um, I go for active walks, which is for me, the blood flows around the body, which is allowing my body to recover. Um, 
I do lots of stretching. I do some yoga. Stretching about 10 to 20 minutes is all you need to do. Yoga, you can do a 30-minute class in the evening. That also helps me to unwind and helps me relax before I go to bed. Um, and I get the foam roller out. And I've got the thing called a Theragun. And so in those areas where you're really tight, especially in my chest, in my glutes, for example, in my shoulders, that just helps that blood flow around the body, which helps your body become nice and, I guess, less stiff. On a, on, a, on a slightly different subject, what about the time you should be working out for? And I guess, is there a difference when it comes to working out to make you feel better for your mental health mm-hmm. versus working out to achieve a goal, like a fitness goal? Yeah, so for your mental health, a five-minute workout in the morning, five minutes of high intensity, five minutes of stretching, five minutes of yoga is perfect. That's going to help your mental state. If that's going to make you feel productive going into the day, feel energetic. Physically-wise... High intensity wise, you only need to do 30 minutes. You really got to push yourself. Strength wise, 40 to an hour for me is is, is really beneficial because obviously you've got your rest periods in there as well. So yeah, so time is is important when you want results when it comes to physical, but for mental, it literally could be five minutes if that's gonna make you feel better. But for me, if you see yourself results physically wise, that's going to give you confidence. Mm. So for me, they both come in hand to hand. If you can be consistent with training at least 30 minutes a day, five times a week, then ideal. I discuss mood and exercise and the focus on adding to your workouts and trying to progress in terms of abilities and what you can do trying something new with Sohi Lee. She's a wonderful, wonderful advocate online. So Sohi Lee delves into it here. Hello, Sohi. Hi, thanks for having me on. Let's talk about fitness, how it can impact our mood. So what can we do, I guess, to to aid our performance with the with mood is it doing the workout first or it's like chicken and the egg or does the mood come after we've done the workout <laughs> Ooh, i think it's really tricky i think they go it's kind of go they gotta go hand in hand you know i think um certainly if it's a workout that you actually enjoy right that's an important key point too is are you actually doing things that you you look forward to if it's a workout you enjoy then hopefully you should leave the workout feeling better and in a better mood but of course there are going to be some exercise modalities that certain people simply do not enjoy simply despise and if that's the case then maybe uh what they're feeling during the workout is not excitement and when they finish the workout it's not that they're in a better mood, maybe they feel relief that they, mm-hmm. that is done. I don't know. Uh, but assuming that it is a fun workout, uh, yes, it, it should help you be in a better mood. And overall, not just on a workout per workout basis, but on a maybe a weekly workout schedule, if you're able to successfully adhere to your planned, ske- your planned workouts, whether that be three workouts a week or four or five, that is going to help with building up your feelings of self-efficacy. Um, and that's then going to make it more likely that you keep up these behaviors over the long run, thus the long haul, thus helping you in the uh, behavior change outcome goal achievement process. And that's another component that a lot of people do not consider. Um, mm. And it's a big part of why I'm such a huge component of, are you actually setting realistic behavior goals that you can, you can adhere to most of the time? Um, I like to place an emphasis on building up and focusing on the the right habits that you want to add into your life rather than simply saying, these are the habits that I want to break. 
I guess starting from whatever you're capable with as well, because uh, I guess in terms of, if we go back to the mood question, even just getting outside and getting fresh air and going for a walk, it doesn't even always have to be a workout. It's going to contribute towards a goal of, I guess, becoming fit, isn't it? It doesn't have to always be a scheduled, or perhaps you disagree, um, a scheduled specific workout. I think it can be almost anything. I think that if you can be specific yet flexible with your plan Mm -hmm. um that gives you enough clarity so that you know what you're doing but enough wiggle room so that if something comes up in your life you're not throwing in the towel completely um that is the right mindset to have and yes there are you can do other you don't have to do a specific workout you can just go out for a nice stroll if you want depending on how you're feeling so there are lots of different ways to to make progress How do you also conquer from your aspect? These people perhaps using apps or online programs, they don't have a qualified trainer in the room with them. So there's probably quite a high percentage of exercises being performed incorrectly. So I guess there isn't a way to prevent this, but what would be your advice um, for people following? Yeah, so that is really, really tricky. So uh, several years ago when I started... um, training people in person and online, I realized very quickly that basically, you know, training beginners online was a lot more dangerous than training an experienced person for reasons that you just mentioned. Mm. Um, A lot of times you, uh, even if you're telling them all the right coaching cues, they might think they're doing exactly what you're saying, but maybe if the, the body awareness or the movement skill is not there yet, um, mm. then what they might be actually doing may be very different from what they think in their head is actually going on. And uh, the the biggest issue with that is primarily from a safety standpoint, right? Because you don't want people getting hurt. So absolutely, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be following along different workouts they see online, um, perhaps with questionable form. And so for me, um, I always try to make it clear, you know, who this workout is for if I'm sharing a workout um, and try to give form pointers, knowing again that not everyone might get it right still. If you're a beginner, um, I try to recommend recruiting the help of a qualified in-person trainer at least for the first few months although I know right now things are a little bit different Um, but in normal circumstances if you can get an in-person trainer to help with um, maybe if they can help out with providing specific tactile cues you know if they Mm -hmm. put their hand on your low back while you do a certain exercise will you you know will that help you with your form a little bit things like that Um, and that can be tremendous not just that but for the actual person doing the workouts too it can help them um, once again build self-efficacy in knowing oh Mm -hmm. I have a qualified trainer standing with me watching over my form telling me that my reps look good that makes me feel better and more confident in what I'm doing right and then they're more willing to then uh, maybe grab a heavier pair of weights or add an extra rep um, because of that so that's another component Um, but I think overall yes recruiting the help of a qualified trainer or there are some uh, maybe you can follow some more like beginner pages where they break down exercises, they regress them back to its more um, beginner forms that mm-hmm. you can more confidently do. Uh, if you can, I recommend filming yourself doing an exercise 
and then watch back your own form. You don't have to post it for anyone to see. I found that tremendously helpful for even something as simple as the squat. Because you yes. might find, oh, I'm not going nearly as deep as I thought I was in my head now that I'm watching this back, for example. So that can be really helpful. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Next up, it's the wonderful Daniel Davey. Oh, I love our chats together and this episode is no exception. So we've discussed the breakdown of nutrition for fitness goals. And remember, micronutrients and hydration, how important it is to make sure you're getting those key aspects because it's not just the carbs, proteins and fats, guys, it's the little nutrients. So have this discussion blasting out of your headphones to learn more now. Let's start the conversation by discussing the biggest mistakes that you find people make when it comes to fueling fitness. Yeah, I think the most obvious one is that uh, we tend to be really good at planning our training and knowing that Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday are the days we're going to be running or we're going to be in the gym. But I, I don't think that we pay the same type of attention to our planning, our nutrition and our fueling. And I think the biggest mistake I'll see is is where people don't actually understand I need to align my energy and let's say my fuel or my carbohydrate needs to those days. So doing the same thing every day is just not going to get you, what you where you want to go. That's so true. I think we don't prioritize our nutrition in that way at all, which is why we're having this discussion today, because food is our fuel. And we need to probably explain, I suppose, where where actual energy comes from. Yeah, so, well, energy can predominantly come from carbohydrate as a source of energy during exercise, particularly as the intensity of that exercise increases, our demand for fuel or our demand for energy increases. So at rest, we're using predominantly free fatty acids or, or fat as a source of fuel. But for athletes or people who are exercising, you know, it could be a team sport athlete, it could be someone on their bike at the weekends, the energy that's coming mainly from carbohydrate and that's stored, uh, the stored form of carbohydrate is, is glycogen. And that's stored in, in our muscles and liver. Uh, and when we begin to exercise, then that's going to be broken down into glucose as a source of fuel for our muscles. So if we are discussing energy intake on a whole, how can we manipulate this for our listeners to, to meet specific fitness or body composition goals? 
Yeah, I, I, I try to break it down really, really simply um, when I'm dealing with athletes in a, in a, in a simple framework. So uh, we'll get to protein, I'm sure, at some point, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really simple having a, a guide for your protein needs on any given day. So that's we, we get to that. But from a carbohydrate point of view, how I break it down in really simple terms is there's days where you exercise, and then there's days where you're recovering, and then there's days when uh, you're not doing much. You know, I know we're either in, in preparing or we're exercising or we're, we're recovering. That's what an athlete's life looks like. They're sleeping, eating, and, and, and exercising. Mm. But if you break it down into those type of days, first of all, and understand that there's a greater need for fuel and there's a greater need for carbohydrate on those days. So, uh, a general workout in the gym might be something like 300 calories, um, a, a run or a competitive match or something like that. Um, that can be anywhere from 600 to 1,000 calories. So if our basic requirement for energy is 2,000 calories for, for a woman or 2,500 for a man, we could be requiring an extra 500, 600, even a thousand calories on top of that on those training days. And I guess that's what brings me back to where we started in, in, in talking about actually having a clear plan. Are, are, do we know those extra days and what those days require in terms of, of energy and, and carbohydrate? So then it's a, it's a very simple calculation. And I know from working with athletes, again, this can be quite confusing. But if we talk about it in in grams, it can you know it can be anywhere between four grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body mass uh, and eight grams of carbohydrate per kilo body mass. And what I generally do is is break this down into meals. So it's an extra two or three simple carbohydrate based meals that would be pasta, rice, bread, noodle that kind of those type of dish um and and then that's what where where our strength comes in 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 looking at recipes really simply here is a carbohydrate recipe that we give you this amount of of fuel on those days just by having a stable and consistent pattern in in your eating and knowing what foods align well with your exercise in really simple terms in really really simple terms it's four meals on this day and five meals on this day or, or, or whatever suits your schedule. I think that can really benefit people. I think it can bring great confidence and it can bring um, a stability to your routine because ultimately it's about our habits and our routines and then it's fitting in those, those really good habits so that we get the most from the exercise that we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. It is important for people to be aware of it. And we did discuss protein. So let's just go there now. Let's discuss protein. I feel that it's really taken a a trendy kind of turn as well and, and lost its meaning a little bit in terms of the nutrition world that you and I both work in. So lots of products out there marketed now with protein being the essential thing for everything. Um, it's high in protein. It's wonderful. Could you explain, of course, um, the impact on protein in the body, what effect it will have on performance and muscle mass, all that sort of thing? Mm. Well, you know, you're you're right. And uh, we've seen all of the trends. We've seen it from, you know, from low fat to, uh, in some cases, high fat. Mm. We've seen, you know, there's low carbohydrate, there's gluten free. We, we've seen all of the trends. And, and I think anybody who works in this space kind of brings it back to where, where we're focusing most of our food choices is on real food and whole food sources. So um, it, 
protein, I, I, you know, I actually do place a huge amount of emphasis uh, on protein with anyone I work with so that they understand what their needs are um, and they understand the value and benefit from, from multiple different angles. So you mentioned a few. The first one, I suppose, is that obvious growth and repair and make sure that you're adapting from any training session that you're doing. Uh, I was only working with a, a client earlier today who has been telling me that he's seen no improvements uh, in all of the work that he's been doing over the past three or four months in the gym. And he feels like his training has been really consistent. And then you look at his his food intake and he's probably at 50, 60 percent um, of where he needs to be from a protein point of view. So mm. it's very difficult to adapt and to improve your strength, improve your muscle mass, improve your body composition if you're not hitting that protein target. Um, and so it's total protein intake being the, the kind of the priority. Then protein quality is about eating natural sources of, of, of good protein foods like fish and meat and dairy products and uh and, and of course there's there's no problem from a vegetarian or a vegan mm. point uh getting your protein from plant-based as long as we're meeting uh, our needs in in a complete form so just mixing our proteins to to get a, a complete protein source from all of the amino acids before you know it actually across the day if everybody is eating in an ideal scenario an ideal world a mediterranean based platform of a balanced plate with your carbs your proteins your veggies, your fruit, and your healthy fats, people are probably going to get enough, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's no question. And I think uh, people are sick of hearing uh, nutritionists and dietitians talking about planning and, and, and preparation and the fact that it always comes up. But in reality, that's that's where you get the, the growth, the benefits, the development of, of, of our improvements in your nutrition. If you look at your meals and say, OK, well, I'm looking for a complete source of protein at breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, and those meals are balanced, like you said, then we get what we are putting into our, mm. our, our you know, our efforts and our plannings. We will get those rewards. But if we just have one source at one of those meals, then over time, we're going to miss those nutrients. What about fueling fitness with micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals? Yeah, so one of the things that I, when I approach an athlete, I, I always see what's what what needs to be added. And very often, I think in, in society, we're reductionists, it's like, what can we take out? So it's how can we get more vitamins and minerals into a person's diet uh, are they hitting the seven plus portions of fruit and vegetables a day to get a really wide variety of nutrients and also talking about it from not just from i suppose from a sports performance perspective and a recovery point of view but also from a gut health perspective uh, and again helping them understand that if we get a really good wide variety of vitamins and minerals uh, antioxidants, fiber, all of those kind of key nutrients that the instance um, of colds and flus and illness is li likely to be a lot lower. And the way that I relate that back from, a, from a, an athlete perspective is, you know, the chances of you missing training if you're sick are going to go down if you really pay attention to getting these wide variety of, of, of nutrients. And then what about fluids? We should really touch on um, hydration. Yeah, I, I always start by, when hydration comes up, I always start by saying that it is the single most influential intervention 
for limiting fatigue during high intensity exercise. So mm. dehydration is dehydration and depletion of fuel, but dehydration um, has a major role in the result of fatigue, the, our effects on performance and our effects on, on concentration during high intensity exercise. Try and hydrate first thing in the morning because you're likely to be dehydrated. And it's not that it's it's not that there's anything um, overly dehydrating about your coffees and teas, but just from a from a trigger point of view or from a habit point of view, trying to increase your fluids around those drinks also helps with your fluid intake and monitoring your urine closely in terms of its color uh, and a paler color being more likely you being uh, uh, hydrated. So simple habits and simple little structures throughout your day. Another thing that I would always suggest my athletes to do is to have a timeline throughout the day that they're actually checking it so that they know um, if they've got training it or they're performing at 7 p.m., that at 4 p.m. they're checking their urine color and, and that they have got these things built into their days so that they know these are the things that they can control. Yeah. Uh, so they're the kind of key simple messages I have around hydration. Finally, James Collins and I we discuss so much in terms of tailoring nutrition for different sports. This is his jam. This is what he does every single day, day in, day out. We go into sports supplements, protein intake, the impact of sleep, I think, which is so important to discuss, plant-based eating, pre and post-workout meals. What about fasted cardio, reds? I, I Honestly, there is so much in this fabulous discussion. So I've selected all the best bits here. Um, enjoy. When it comes to different disciplines, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there. Maybe you do go to the gym, maybe do home workouts, maybe just walking every day, and that's totally fine. But would you change the different type of nutrition for a different discipline? Let's say if you're working with a swimmer mm -hmm. compared to working with a... I'm trying to think of something really starkly opposite. <laughs> you can help me out here. Ooh, a yeah, a marathon runner perhaps. There you go. Let's or, yeah. go marathon runner. <laughs> How would you tailor those two different approaches? Well, what's the main thing you're thinking of straight away if they were your clients? Well, effectively, we're firstly looking at the demands that are placed on the body. Mm. So that really dictates the, the nutrition principles. Yeah. So I guess the principles are, are always the same. But like, you know, using the example of the marathon runner versus the swimmer, for example, mm. they might use more of these, these fuels. They might use mm. more of these slower releasing, lower glycemic yeah. index carbohydrates. Mm. So this being sort of the, the main... I guess step one of yeah. building our meal. Yeah. But then I think for both, our main our maintenance foods, which are the second group, our proteins are extremely important. Yeah, for cellular repair and muscles and absolutely. proteins are the basis of our structures and our shape, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely so. And this is an area where the research has come on so much. I think mm. over the last five years we've got these amazing protein metabolism mm. labs that are telling us that as opposed to just doing your exercise session and you feel that you have a bit of protein afterwards and your muscles are repaired, mm. they're still adapting 24 hours yes. after a session. How amazing is that? Oh, Every I time I hear it, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> right? Protein synthesis is something that really fascinates me, looking at the graphs and the data. And mm. um, there was some research recently, and I was at a conference last week, that said that we should actually be aiming to get protein frequently throughout the day. I don't know how you feel about that as a kind of priority, because I know there's a lot of research that also says we're focusing too much on protein as a nation and that everybody is getting enough so mm. where do you kind of stand on that that front i think i think the first point is the muscle prefers to take up what we call pulses mm. of protein so that would be every three to four hours yeah. from our meals and our snacks so mm. for us we've got a great rationale of having protein as a base for each meal and snack as our first step yeah 
I think interestingly as well, there's a lot of repair happening overnight. Yeah, when we sleep. When we sleep too. So I think equipping our muscles to be able to repair overnight. And、mm. the research group, Luke Van Loon's group in Maastricht, recently did an excellent paper showing that if you're feeding protein at the right times, your muscle protein synthesis overnight can increase by 22%. That's incredible. You're not doing anything, you're asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and what about plant based nutrition? So、mm. for athletes, a lot of people, Serena Williams, Lewis Hamilton, just to name some big names,、um, mm. Do you think it's a fad or is it becoming, well, it's becoming more popular with elite sportsmen? What's your、um, view on, on this? Yeah, I think plant based eating within sport is reflecting society as a whole. Yes. You know, it's not a separate ecosystem. It's reflecting、no. more of us, more people choosing plant based nutrition.、Yes. And my view on a practitioner, I'd be really interested to hear yours,、mm. uh, too, Rhiannon, is that you know, people will have different beliefs. And、yes. I think we have to respect those, right? I agree. And following a vegan diet per se won't increase physical or sports performance.、Mm-hmm. But shaping those,、uh, shaping those considerations,、mm-hmm. just like if you were gluten free、mm-hmm. or lactose, they still need to be, these principles still need to be applied.、Mm-hmm. So I think it's about, for me, about respecting whatever anyone's considerations are around their nutrition、yeah. and still giving them the right structure for their nutrition during the day as well. I know. It's very interesting because it's not a miracle for people. And I think a lot of people are associating the term. Of veganism as a magic answer to health and performance, whereas、mm. actually it may suit some people perfectly because it suits their beliefs, their lifestyle, and they may be more educated so they know how to get all the protein they need from their diet, the volume of food they need to eat, and it will、That's、suit、right. them really well. Whereas for other people without that luxury, it may not suit them well at all. So, so we talked about pre and post exercise meals, but how much emphasis really is there? On that,、um, when it comes to the general public rather than an actual sports athlete? Yeah, I think, well, inherently, right, during the day where your exercise and activity is, your meal before and after it are probably the most important、mm-hmm. because these really drive either your energy levels during the session or how your body adapts post session、yes. as well.、Mm. But this doesn't mean there's a one size fits all.、Um, and an example I could probably draw on here is you know, how we'd set this up, let's say, in the sports team. Whereas the players or athletes would turn up for a training session. On some sessions, the goal of that session would be to perform at their best.、Yeah. It might be a hard session training wise out on the grass or in the gym. So we want to make sure players are fueled.、Mm-hmm. So, in terms of this plate, this fueling plate we were talking about before, we'd make sure they have a serving of these lower GI carbohydrates.、Mm. So they're going in fueled.、Yeah. However, next day they might turn up to training, and this might be a recovery session.、Mm-hmm. They might be in the pool or just having a massage, pretty much doing next to nothing.、Mm. The fuel demands are greatly reduced.、Mm. So instead, as they're going through this process, they still need these maintenance foods.、Mm. The fueling needs are really reduced.、Mm. We don't need these carbohydrates at this time. So instead, we've got a more protein based meal with our different micronutrients and some healthy fats, but we don't need the carbohydrate. Yeah. And you know, the other consideration here, too, is that we mentioned this before for a lot of people, they're looking to try and reduce their body fat. Yeah. So one of the strategies they might use is either to train fasted. Mm-hmm. Which will help to prime、uh, the fat stores to be used as a fuel. So, that, there's a bit of a、um, controversial kind of topic there with fasted、mm. training.、Um, a lot of people say, there's a lot of research that says it makes no difference if you train fasted or if you had breakfast before.、Mm. Do you think then that fasted training is going to be beneficial for people on a goal to lose weight? Well, there's a couple of important points here.、Yeah. Right? So, during the session, you, we're talking about restricting carbohydrate.、Yeah. So, you can either do that fasted,、mm-hmm. or for a lot of triathletes at the moment, or a lot of runners as well, they have a protein based meal that、mm-hmm. restricts carbohydrates. 
the effects are the same. You're still promoting the use of fat as a fuel. And yeah. there's a wonderful term in our metabolism called metabolic flexibility. Mm -hmm. And we use it a lot within sport to drive which type of fuel we prefer our metabolism to use. Yeah. And it can use both. Yeah. But you're, you're absolutely right, Rhiannon, with your second point, because mm -hmm. that's just the fuel use during a training session. Mm -hmm. If we're looking to reduce our body fat over the course of the day, we still need to be in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So we haven't just got this magic bullet of, you know, training fasted or training... No. We call it training low and yeah. you lose weight. That, that, that's too simplistic. Yeah. And I think the other thing, the other consideration with this as well is if we're training fasted, this is okay once or twice a week, but it does increase the stress on your immune system. Yeah. It does increase the stress on your bones. And it changes for males and females. Absolutely so. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got this massive issue at the moment, which is just slowly creeping into the public domain, mm -hmm. which is REDS relative energy deficiency in sports yeah. and we're seeing you know people trying training too much taking an insufficient calorie intake mm. and this having a whole host of physiological functions yeah. from right from concentration coordination yeah. affecting bone health yeah. the menstrual cycle and well, other when things you too. lack the estrogen from menstrual cycles that's when your bones are actually at risk absolutely right so for lots of women out there if you're not getting a period it's not a good sign and i see that a lot in my clinic with over exercising right really very very frequently it's mm. a big problem and you mentioned obviously being in a calorie deficit and of course mm. I often say if you're doing a corporate wellness talk in the nutrition team if one of us has mm. gone out to give a talk we always say if you are sat at your desk all day and you're not very active you probably don't need the same amount of food that you would have on a day when you are running around like a crazy thing <laughs> it's you know, absolutely it right. is going back to basics isn't it do you find being in the world of um, elite performance yeah that you get a lot of people expecting you have a magic pill or a magic kind of bullet. And when it comes to putting in the hard work themselves, do a lot of people realize that it, it, it takes that? Is there a big psychological... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market component involved here that maybe athletes have over the general public their willingness to succeed oh i think we see differences here with the athletes and the general public i think for sure um sometimes we have different types of athletes who will come to you and say look james i want to do everything with my nutrition to in order to perform better when yeah. i'm you know out on the pitch in the stadium wh mm -hmm. wherever it is and it's the same with the general public right it'd be yeah. the same with the people that come into your clinic you'll have those people that will say tell me what to do I'll do, I'll do it, it. I'll monitor it. Mm. There's other type of people that we work with as well who are a bit more pre-contemplative. They know they need to make a change, but we have to motivate them. Exactly. And I think this isn't really dissimilar to coaching. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I think in the sports setting, we have the coaches that will coach the athletes in a technical way, yep. the strength and conditioning coaches that will coach movement. And I think with yeah. nutrition, there is a coaching element to what we do with this be you know, behaviour change as well. Wow, that was really perfectly summarised. Thank you all for contributing to Food for Thought. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up next. So if you don't subscribe, make sure you do. It's the way that it just pops up on your phone. You get a notification and you'll be the first to hear it each Monday. 
It would also be amazing if you are a fan of Food for Thought that you could kindly leave us a review. These reviews do actually make a huge difference and they can help us, of course, reach more people and get the information out there to those that need it the most. If you're looking, of course, as well for more information about perhaps my latest book, Deliciously Healthy Pregnancy, uh, the Retrition Clinic for one-to-one nutrition advice and healthy recipes, then just head on over to retrition.com where everything's there in one place. We also have some fabulous evidence-based blogs that are updated weekly, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday morning. Now, of course, Retrition Plus is now here, so for evidence-based supplements that you can actually trust, hooray, it took me long enough, but it's finally there, you can go and check out retritionplus.com. And of course, please do follow me on all social channels at Retrition and at Retrition Plus.